First off, I would like to thank God for blessing me with this opportunity of finding my passion and love for this game. I would like to thank my parents, my brother, my coaches, and administrators for the support. Life star point guard, J.D. Davidson, is making his college decision on Saturday, October the 3rd. We were in agreement that he was the best prospect from the state of Alabama since DeMarcus Cousins. It's been a long journey, and I really enjoyed it. I would like to thank all the other coaches in school who are recruiting me, but I can only choose one. So with that being said, I will be committed to the University of Alabama. C-double-A tournament! Just kicked up ahead, Lewis. Davidson pulls up, three-point shot. Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I will be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, the audio we just played in the intro was from the commitment video of five-star point guard J.D. Davison, where he used a clip of last week's episode of this podcast, This Is What Fame Feels Like. Yeah, I guess you could say things are getting a little serious. <laughs> hey, Congrats. I thought about... I mean, that's awesome, dude. Like, how the hell did they stumble upon it, and do I really even want I to know that answer, or do I care? No. <laughs> yeah, we had some technical difficulties Thursday night to even get the podcast page up. I mean, it went up on Spotify and Apple and all that. Yeah. But it was a little late on the website. So I also thought about how lucky we got for him to commit to Alabama because I'm very sure he was going to use that that audio regardless. How awful would it have been if he used a clip of this show with us saying he's the best prospect from the state of Alabama since DeMarcus Cousins and then committed to Bruce Pearl. Yeah, at that point, we just got to go ahead and delete everything. <laughs> uh, you would have had to find a new co-host. I would, I'd be in podcast retirement. No, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. But in all seriousness, I, I had no idea. When he sent it out, I got to the point in the video where the clip started. I didn't even realize I was hearing my own voice. Like I, w- I was kind of halfway watching, halfway listening until the end. Yeah. When the actual commitment was made. And I didn't even know... He used the clip until our friend at Alabama Pro Updates uh, tweeted out the question asking, hey, was that Wesley's voice I just heard on the J.D. Davison commitment video? So I had to go back and rewatch to even realize that I was listening to my own voice. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to John, man. I I honestly, I didn't have a chance before it was pointed out to listen to it and to get that pure reaction, but... Dude, I mean, it, that's just, of all the things, that's just incredible. You know, uh, we're, we're very blessed here uh, in our small little world to uh, have the best prospects since DeMarcus Cousins from the state of Alabama to use our clip on his commitment video. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not even sure I would have known if if John did not catch that. But And by the way, if you're on Twitter, highly, highly recommend following him. His handle is at Bama Pro Updates. Uh, if you want to keep up with the literally – any former Alabama athlete in any professional league, not only in America, but globally. I'm not sure how it's even possible how he does it, but but that guy's on it. This man is a tax accountant all year, and he runs the best Twitter account sports-related that I've ever seen. So I'm telling you, he's a superhero. So shout out to John. He's been a longtime listener and supporter. And, uh, you know, just a just a great weekend. You know, a lot of things unexpected with, you know, like that example, a lot of things expected in terms of the game and in terms of, well, the commitment wasn't going to be expected because when it was rumored he was going to cancel it, then it's like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. 
Yeah. So sticking with that commitment, J.D. Davison, like we said last week, top 10 player in the country, five-star, All-American, all of those accolades, number one point guard in the country. Uh, all of that kind of stands on its own. I could just list those things, and we'd all understand how big this is for the Alabama basketball program. But two things stood out to me this week, This week, and then we'll move on. One is in regards to the the type of player J.D. Davison is, and the other kind of indi- indicates the perception this commitment has given Alabama basketball nationally. And it, it's simple and to the point. You do not have to be a basketball guy to understand the magnitude of these two things. The first is a tweet from Jerry Meyer. Jerry is the director of basketball scouting for 24-7 Sports. He is the son of legendary basketball coach, college basketball coach, Don Meyer, who was the longtime uh, Lipscomb coach. He had over 900 career wins. So Jerry has a basketball pedigree. This evaluation means a little more coming from him than, say, it would from me, who might have a a built-in bias. Jerry Meyer tweeted this, Brad. Quote, I will say this on J.D. Davison. He is in the category of Derrick Rose, John Morant, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, etc. In terms of athleticism, his passing reminds me of John Morant. Davison is an elite talent, end quote. Yeah, in a world where the go-to thing is to try to be the first to compare a rising player to somebody you know famous that has excelled at their position or their sport uh this is one of those times where it is a legitimate talent level and ceiling uh that this kid has to be able to follow in you know the potential career path like these other players he has those skill sets yeah you don't have to be tuned into the nba every night to know the name derrick rose or russell westbrook or john wall yeah those are pretty much household names you don't have to be basketball guy to understand that and process what Alabama is getting. And Jerry even doubled down. He had someone, I went to the responses under that tweet. He had someone respond to the tweet, kind of complaining that, that a tweet like that would kind of set an unrealistic expectation. Oh, please. Yeah. That one tweet. (laughs) Yeah. That did it. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap it up. Yeah. And yeah, not uh, guys like me coming on the podcast, acting like, you know, the next Michael Jordan is signing up to, to play for NATO. It's not that, but it's Jerry's tweet. Um, but he, he was basically saying Jerry shouldn't put J.D. Davison in the same sentence as those other guys. So Jerry, who, again, is the director of scouting for one of the biggest, the, one of the two biggest names in the recruiting industry. He just responded with, quote, you seen J.D. Davison play? End quote. There's no wavering in that response. I that's mean, like that's a Chef Cole type tweet, too. I swear to God. yeah i mean random guy on twitter argues with the guy who has seen jd davison play live who knows how many times it's literally his job so this other man didn't even know he was calling him john david so uh second thing that stood out to me was an article and i don't know if you you saw this brad it was written by matt giles who covers duke basketball for balldurham.com which is duke's fan-sided site so they're duke's uh, Sports Illustrated and Fox Sports affiliate. The headline, the headline is this, and this kind of tells you everything you need to know. But there is more. The headline is this: Alabama trying to snag half of Duke basketball's remaining 2021 targets. That's the headline. That's it. That's it. No, oh, I mean that's it. As in only half. 
<laughs> yeah, only half. <laughs> yeah. The first sentence is, quote, with little warning, an unlikely foe <laughs> challenges Duke basketball <laughs> recruiting, <laughs> end quote. Man, you'd have to hate if you had a fat coach who gets no articles written by other schools in terms of the threat he brings. That, that, that would just be the worst. But I, I don't know how quickly I envisioned the elevation nationally, but this man ain't have a one season. Yeah. And uh, we have superseded anything in recent memory. Yeah. Like we knew when he was hired, we knew he had a system. I, I knew that system. It could be appealing to a lot of kids, but could you have imagined reading that headline and that opening sentence ever? I don't know that I, I legitimately could have. No. I mean, how many more examples do we need for what Nate Saban, I mean, uh, Nate Oates is doing here. I mean, <laughs> there there is literally no off the field nor on the field domination and attention and respect that he is garnering now at blue blood schools and their media coverage because it's legitimate. They wouldn't entertain this if it was not. And the article kind of goes into detail on how Alabama had just landed JD Davison and, and they're pressing for two other five-star players who are legitimate realistic options for Alabama right now. So Nate Oates and staff signing a top five class in the country is really not out of the question right now. And so if you're curious, all you have to do is just Google the words Alabama Duke basketball. It'll be like the first article listed because those words just haven't gone together in the history of the English language uh, that much before. So it's worth a read just to kind of get a feel on really how Alabama is being viewed nationally now by people who cover some of the nation's top basketball programs. Yeah, it's heading to a direction where it's going to beg the ask the question of when was the last school that had top five classes in both, you know, their major programs. Uh, I, I thought about that earlier today, and it is, it is, I, I mean, the football program is 100%. They're finishing with a top three class at worst yeah. this year. If Nate Oates, Brian Hodgson, and, and those guys pull off Bidiaco, uh, some of the Caleb Houston, basically the two five stars that they're very much in the race for mm-hmm. right now. That it's the top. It's it's happening. I think it almost cements a top five class. Yeah, it has it has to, because yeah, then you have a guy, a fringe top one hundred guy like Deshaun Holt. It looks like they're about to get the number two JUCO player in the country, uh, may, maybe even this week. So yeah, I mean I mean th- things are looking up, and if those five guys sign, it's. It's a top five class for sure. I know how odd it is to open with a basketball topic in the middle of football season, but it is very much warranted in this situation. Uh, yeah, this is that, no fall po- podcast this week. So, <laughs> yeah, this is just kind of where Nate Oates has us right now. So, yeah, it's getting closer to time. Wes, uh, I have to fly back out to Las Vegas and put some money down. I'm telling you. That's me. right. Yeah. Uh, but moving on, anyways, there was also a football game this past weekend. Oh. Uh, believe it or not. Did they use uh, the podcast? They, no. Nah. <laughs> That's why they don't get as much love. <laughs> but I said that I would not question anything on the defensive side until it was warranted this season. I saw some things I did not love against yeah. A&M. Yeah. I don't want to seem make it seem like I'm panicking because I'm not. But are, are you kind of like me and questioning it more after week two than you did after week one? Oh, uh I felt like I had my own theme songs and soundtrack going off in my head here of just like old classical music, sad, just the fate of everything, you know, is right in front of us. It's the end. 
man, you, you definitely can tell we've been hurt before. Uh, there is no doubt how quickly we react at times to certain things. And I, I had a few, you know, those moments uh, this past Saturday. There's no doubt. Uh, Dylan Moses did not have his best game, which, by the way, that's okay with me more than, say, Daniel Wright struggling. Because, look, we're we're familiar with the type of player Dylan Moses is. I, I know he was injured last season, but for the most part, we know. I think we'd, we'd all su- be somewhat surprised if that performance carried over. But with a guy like Daniel Wright, he had some iffy moments against Missouri, and then he followed that up really with a questionable performance against A&M. And, of course, of course the halfway, the push on the sideline thing <laughs> that led to the Texas A&M touchdown, uh, probably not going to make his highlight tape. No, that's going to be a long ways away from that happy birthday song. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> he is the he's the one that sings happy birthday every year. That's right. Yeah. He's got a beautiful voice, but he's got a terrible form. I'm, that's all I know. <laughs> it may be recency bias. Like, it's, it's fresh in everybody's mind. But that play, when you factor in just, like, the mental lapse and, and how preventable it was, that has to be near the top of the list of just – Terrible defensive plays in the Nick Saban era. And can you imagine, can you imagine being Daniel Wright when they watched film this week? Oh. You know what? It's what you get for trying to play patty cake. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to say here. I mean, he even just, to watch his body language as he uh, got a little you know, back upright and he watched that guy almost pull a Greg McElroy and hop five damn yards. Uh, yeah. I really don't. It was worse than a you know a pass drill or a pass protection drill. Like it, it was absolutely terrible. It was like he was in the trenches over here against the damn sled. Now he he followed it up with the pick six, which yeah, he, 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 he dumb he and dumber. You totally redeemed yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah, he needed it so bad. Yeah. And, but even Nick Saban after the game said that like those series of events that kind of encapsulated Daniel Wright. Like he has the ability to make the big game changing plays, but he loses focus too often. I, hopefully that moment was a wake up call. I, I don't know if it wasn't, then well, there ain't one there. I don't know how you get much more of a clearer one. Yeah, it wasn't all bad. One of the bright spots defensively was freshman defensive back Malachi Moore. Oh. He made plays quite literally from start to finish. I mean, he broke up a pass in the end zone on uh, Texas A&M's first drive, which resulted in them kicking a field goal that they missed. He started changing that game literally on the first drive. If you think about it, though, every two to three years, you have a true freshman in the secondary that starts balling out. I mean, you can go through the list. I mean, you, you can go all the way back to Drake or Patrick. You can go all the way up, work your way, all the way to Patrick Sertan. And I think we already knew, I don't, I'm not going to say I think, because who, who am I over here? You know, like I can predict the future when it was clear when Malachi Moore was co- going into his senior year, how talented he was. And I, the hardest thing that he and everyone else has ever faced is grasping the system, especially as a true freshman. Uh, but to be able to go out there with confidence now, too, in the third week. Mm. Yeah. You know what the difference is, though, between like Malachi Moore and Patrick Sertan or uh, D. Milliner or all of those guys? D. Milliner, Drake Kirkpatrick, Patrick Sertan, those were all top 10, top 15 players in the country, five stars, all Americans. I mean, consensus, yeah, no, you're top right. of the line guys. 
Malachi Moore was not. He and didn't I, sneak into the top 100 till late, didn't he? He did. He didn't end up in the top 100. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he I knew was, he was close, right? I want going into December. Uh, on the composite, he was outside of the top 200. Holy crap! Yeah, and I know we, we have talked about this before when we we talk recruiting, but guys like Malachi Moore, in my opinion, that's how a team puts themselves in position to win national championships because in the 2020 class, Malachi Moore was a bottom half recruit in the class. <laughs> he was the 16th highest ranked recruit Alabama signed. And to there's me, the center and then there's Malachi. Yeah, yeah. The, the bottom half of your recruiting classes, we've talked about this, are every bit as important as the top. Uh, and not that that he was ranked low by any means. He, he was right outside the top 200, like I said. But I don't think anyone was really expecting him to come in and start. Yeah, no, he's a. Uh... He's definitely shined uh, and overcome a lot of adversity based on, I guess, that perception in the recruiting rankings. I, I completely forgot how low he was. That's yeah. a dumb moment on me. But what ultimately you're getting at is the the real thing here, and that's no matter what, Nick Saban develops talent. If if you're, he doesn't look at the rankings, doesn't get caught up in that, he looks at film, he looks at certain things, especially when it comes to secondary, and he's developing a true freshman who some other schools might not have taken in their first, you know, 20 commitments. And this guy's out here balling right now. And one of the guys he beat out for that position was Brian Branch, also a freshman, who was ranked a lot higher. And who, I don't know if you've heard the same thing, but I've heard really great reviews on Brian Branch. Mm -hmm. That was really a, a back and forth battle for that spot leading up to the season. So that really says a lot about the future of the defensive backfield. And I know we, we brought up Daniel Wright. It wouldn't totally shock me if you see Brian Branch start kind of getting some looks in that spot if Daniel Wright continues to struggle. And, and I think it's necessary to at times because you continue to develop, you know, that depth and, and you get that experience. And you rather have consistency than, than highs and lows as you're consistent. And, and really going into the season, uh, probably about a month or so before the, the season actually started. I think most people expected Brian Branch to win that job because he was running with the first team. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you kept getting a lot of word and reports out. Things were trending in his direction, but that's why you really never know. You know, yeah. you, you really you get caught up in who's going to be the one versus what's going on between the one and the two or the, even the two and the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you kept hearing that it's a competition and Malachi Moore kind of wasn't going away, and uh, and then he ended up taking that spot. He he started, I think, one of the scrimmages and and didn't look back after he took that spot, and it was his. So, mm-hmm. anyways, moving on, just some quick hitters before we go. We'll, we'll make this quick. Mac Jones still leads the nation in passing efficiency. The game this weekend against Ole Miss was moved to primetime, Brad. So if he repeats his first two performances – do we start hearing Mac Jones Heisman chatter nationally? You know, I've seen glimpses of it even as before the first game kicked off this year. Um, but I really think it'll start gaining traction because you, you think about it, you always, uh, you have your preseason guy, but week two, week three, and especially week four, they really, the media wants to find that one love child and start going who else better than who Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the answer is yes, and and if his name starts coming up in those conversations, he's really going to have a chance to put himself out front in the following week against Georgia, 
oh with basically the entire nation watching. So, oh yeah. Anyways, yeah, that should be another prime time game back to back. But you know, of course, if Mac Jones is doing anything, sarcasm alert. He's proven it's the system, just like with Tua. It's all them slants, boy. It ain't nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, real fast, behind Mac Jones, when I was looking up, looking up uh, passing efficiency earlier. Yeah. Second is Zach Wilson for BYU, but third on that list is Matt Corral for Ole Miss. So, uh, number one, number three on the same field Saturday. All right, second quick hitter. How awful would it be to be an opposing defensive coordinator knowing that you had to figure out a way to keep both Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith in check, not to mention the run game, but then you watch film of the Texas A&M game and you find out that there's a third one in John Mechie. <laughs> There's always that third one. <laughs> Drinks on them. If you remember, John Mechie was the only wide receiver Alabama took in the 2019 yep. class. So sticking with how important how important the uh, evaluations are on the bottom half of your class, John Mechie was the 23rd highest ranked signee in the 2019 class for Alabama. 22 guys ranked ahead of him. Already yeah, making I a think difference. at A-Day last year, we even saw him get some reps. We did. And we've heard basically from the minute that he stepped on campus that, that he was going to make noise and very quickly. I think the, the literally the only reason that he didn't get on, get on the field last year, well, we know obvious. two first yeah. rounders, two starters that are back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally maybe four first rounders ahead of him. So uh, it gets so tiresome keeping up with this. I swear. <laughs> All right. Third last week we asked if, if week one was Mississippi state being good <laughs> or LSU being bad, was that question answered in week two? You know, like we talked about before we started recording, the <laughs> most predictable uh, result you could have had this past weekend and the epitome of Mike Leach's career. Oh, like exactly. I said verbatim, he goes out yes. and competes with teams sometimes he has no business with. Yeah, and then he comes back around and says, hey, I'm going to lay this <laughs> egg right here. Mike Leach ended the nation's longest winning streak in week one then he turned around and ended the longest conference losing streak in week two. And that is Mike Leach's entire career summed up in two weeks in Starkville. Oh, the whole thing happened in two weeks. <laughs> uh, Alabama is a 23 and a half point favorite. This is the last one and we're done. Do they cover? No. Okay. Ole Miss will score some. You, obviously. Now, hold on now, do, All right, do they cover you? For me? Yeah, are you my answer is always, always yes. Oh yeah, slam the over. Um, I think <laughs> the weather. Did you see what the over over under was? Uh, let me guess, about sixty six. About seventy. I think you'll get it. I think you'll get close. I, I I don't think this game. It won't be as close as what the score predicts, but I think it'll be over two touchdowns. But I don't think it's going to be over twenty three points now. Okay, I'm going with yes. Ole Miss is obviously going to score some. They're coming off a high too, so. We'll see what the lane train has dialed up uh, for right. his former, his former I'm, head I'm watching coach. A, I'm watching a team with number love for the two head coaches, their family, you know. <laughs> That's right. All right, this has been the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Roll Tide.